I love Steve, but I wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> well, we'll be continuing today uh, where Dana left off in Mark 10. I just want to thank Scott and Dana for the privilege of standing here before you. When I first came to Berean several years ago, I was in my mid-50s then, and there were very few young people here, a few. But so few, in fact, that even as old as I was, probably half the people here were quite a bit older than me. And many of them were so much older than me that they treated me like one of the kids. That was a nice feeling. <laughs> but since then, we've been blessed by so many new families with small and bigger children that the church feels much more alive and it feels much better here because of them. And as many of you know, being the greeter, I've made a point of telling families with small children not to worry if their kids make noise during the service. The elders and deacons know that you parents will do your best to handle them and we think it's much more important that the church is welcoming and a loving place and a good place for them to be rather than a place where they're afraid to make a sound and they can't be happy. Children are a real blessing from God, and we're all grateful for having them here. We want them to look forward to the Lord's day and to grow close to God and to saving faith in him. And today's chapter and verse we're going to be studying is Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. It's a short but very sweet passage. It's called Blessing the Children. Now, some people were bringing little children to him so that he might touch them. <clears throat> but his disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I assure you that whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. Gracious Father, we thank you for bringing us together today in your house to hear your word. Lord, please help us to understand the message as it applies to our lives and remake our hearts and minds in your image and help us to spread the love and truth of Jesus our Lord to a fallen world around us. Amen. This teaching opportunity by the Lord was mentioned in all three synoptic gospels. The Lord could literally make anything into a teaching opportunity. And you'll recall that he also taught that whomever caused one of these little ones to sin, that it would be better if, for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Now I think it's pretty clear that Jesus has a very strong love for children. Now some of the children being brought to him were infants and were carried to Jesus by their parents, but others were old enough to come on their own because they saw someone that exuded love and they came with joyful hearts. Now I can't imagine anyone more attractive to small children than Jesus. Now we don't know why the apostles thought the children were a bother to Jesus and Maybe they thought that they were healing or hindering his healing ministry, but Jesus certainly didn't mind their presence. So we welcome your little ones here at Berean because we're happy for the presence of young families and the joy that the laughing children bring to us. 
When the little kids cry or act up, we show them love here, and not just the kids, but their parents as well. Now, I've been in a couple of churches where the attitude was so solemn that a crying child would just about bring the service to a halt. Parents are made to feel as though they are being disruptive bringing little kids to the service. But going to church shouldn't be like going to a funeral or going to see someone off to a war. The Lord's Day is a time to celebrate our salvation. And we want you to know that we love you and we love your kids and that the Lord's Day at Berean is a time of fellowship and to hear God's word and celebrate the grace that God has shown us all by bringing us his children together here. Now, as his children, we should all feel the joy of our Lord taking the burden of our sin onto himself. We feel joy because we don't have to worry anymore. If we've said enough preparatory prayers, crossed ourselves often enough, or taken a pilgrimage to some distant shrine, we have something so much better than religion, better than a winning lottery ticket or a big promotion at work. We, what we have is almost indescribable. We don't have religion here at Berean. We have a relationship with a very personal and loving God who cares about each and every one of us. Shouldn't the thought of being with that loving God throughout eternity be the most satisfying thing you can imagine? The inexpressible joy that we should be feeling at the mere thought of being with the Lord in a place that he has prepared for us is a greater joy than anything this world has to offer. The joy of the Lord should shine forth from us so that people ask us the reason for our happiness, as is said in 1 Peter 3.15. But honor the Messiah as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Well, how will anyone know of the hope that is in you unless it shows on you? Let the joy of your salvation show on you. And that's what the Lord meant when he said, whomever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Berean is a place where we come together like children before a loving father and sing his praises and show our joy at being his children. We have been given freely the most wonderful gift in the universe, the privilege of forgiveness of sin so that we can be forever with him without fear or want. <coughs> Excuse me. As his children, we reflect the joy we feel in song as we lift up our voices to him in praise and worship. The Lord commanded the Israelites to have joy in their festivals. First Chronicles 13.8 David and all Israel were celebrating before God with all their might, with songs and with lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. The Lord wanted to hear the sound of singing and harps and tambourines coming from them. Our joy in him is music to his ears. 
Eternal life with him will be so amazing that it seems too good to be true. How many of you are like me in that it seems like a dream sometimes to be with the Lord, to never have to worry about anything ever again, to never sin, to live for the next praise we sing to him? Now, if you're one of those folks that doesn't sing during our worship service, you just hang your head and say, oh golly, nobody wants to hear me sing. <laughs> just remember, the scripture says you must be like a little child. He gave you that voice, he wants to hear it. And to be honest, most of us can't sing very well with some notable exceptions, uh, so what's there to worry about? How many of you had the pleasure of having your little child sing you a song that they just learned. That's wonderful, isn't it? And we're just children to the Lord, and he knows every thought and attitude. So just be that little child coming to Jesus and show him your love. Matthew 21, 15. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonders that he did and the little children shouting in the temple complex, Hosanna to the son of David. <laughs> they were indignant. Now imagine that. The children's joy made the chief priests and scribes indignant. Grown men actually rebuked by the children. And the children were the ones who were right. They said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus told them. Have you never read, you have prepared praise from the mouths of children and nursing infants? So here we're told that the Lord actually prepared the praise that the children were shouting and singing. I'm not saying that children's joy is always good. That shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone. But yes, children can be out of line at times like when the children were making fun of Elisha as he was going up to Bethel. You remember, going up baldy, going up baldy. <laughs> but joy should never be associated with derision or putting someone down. But I digress. Joy is one of the foundations of your life in Christ. Deuteronomy 24.5 says that when a man takes a bride, he must not go out with the army or be liable for any duty. He is free to stay at home for one year so that he can bring joy to the wife he has married. And joy is something we owe to others. Our joy is infectious. It will bring and spread with it hope and assurance in times of trouble or want. He commands us to have joy even in times of tribulation. Matthew 5.11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice, defined as to feel or show great joy or delight. So how do you have joy when you're being persecuted? Well, first you must have faith in the word of God that he will never leave you or forsake you. 
in Acts 16.25. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas were in jail. They'd been beaten. They were wearing chains. But they were singing hymns to God because they had joy in knowing that the Lord was there with them. If you ever find yourself being treated unjustly, remember what he said in Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So why does he want us to put up with insults and persecution? Well, I guarantee you that you won't often hear a smug atheist insulting Muslims because he knows they won't put up with it. So why does the Lord want us to put up with it? Well, first of all, he wants us to be like him. He tells us in Matthew 11:29, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." And secondly, I personally believe that's the way he wants us to make converts. So how do you win converts to the Lord? By arguing them into the kingdom? By badgering and threatening them with the fires of hell? Well, we certainly don't dismiss the fate of those who spurn our Lord's gracious offer of forgiveness of sin. But winning someone's heart and mind is not a matter of threats or of easy believism. In our age, science and evolution is the belief of most people. Even though its explanations for the world around us are hardly sufficient for anyone with discernment. Now we might defend the Bible by poking holes in the Swiss cheese of evolution or by validating the truth of scripture by teaching how prophecy has proven true so many times. Now we can teach the Ten Commandments and explain how we break those commandments every day in thought and deed and then how Jesus took the weight of our sins onto himself so that all who believe in him can be forgiven and saved. Being straightforward is often the best approach, especially if you only have a moment with someone. Personal evangelism can take many forms and probably needs to be tailored to the individual circumstances based on a relationship with the person. But it should never be far from our lips as we relate to the unsated people in our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 4, 6, your speech must always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you sh should respond to each person. So as we deal with the unsaved, there must be something different about us that will intrigue them. Our conduct and character should make us stand out, especially when things go wrong. We must be like Paul and Silas, singing hymns of praise in the darkest of times, Weathering the storms of life with a joyful and thankful heart is key to living our faith. 
we should always demonstrate the Christ-like qualities listed in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And other than patience and self-control, those are all arguably the same childlike qualities that the Lord wants us to possess to enter his kingdom. Patience and self-control aren't natural to us as children. We must learn those attributes with maturity, but they're absolutely necessary in our walk with Christ. I will freely admit in the presence of this company and the presence of my dear wife that I'm not batting a thousand on those qualities. Far from it. But those qualities are key to reaching anyone with the love and promise of salvation. Our joy in Christ is something that the world needs and is asking and seeking. The secular world is unhappy. They're distressed and downright frightened by the events happening in our world today. Now, can any of you have imagined just a few years ago the things we see and hear every day now? We're living in times when the Lord could return at any time. The prophecies in the Bible are coming to light and we are witnessing mankind becoming more estranged from God, faith, and even sanity that we can hardly believe at times what is happening all around us. Our world has entered a period of spiritual darkness like never before in modern history. The events taking place so closely mirror Bible prophecy there can be no mistaking them. It's no coincidence that Israel has returned a nation dead for nearly 2,000 years, returning after nearly half the Jews in the world were murdered during World War II. Israel, reborn in 1948, was a fledgling nation without even enough guns to provide one for each of the members of their ragtag immigrant army. And yet, they defeated five well-trained and well-equipped Arab armies. The Arabs mourn on Nakba Day the day when Israel became a nation recognized by the UN. To them, it was a disaster. To those who believe the Bible and love the Lord, it was a miracle. There's no other word for it. The Bible proves itself true time after time as its prophecies play out in these, the last days. God's word is its own best proof. You can trust the word of God, and the scriptures even assure us we can. In Numbers 23.19, we're reminded, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So, have joy, brothers and sisters. Prepare yourselves to be presented to the Lord without spot or wrinkle, filled with joy as a little child coming to the Lord. Remember, in the Bible, we're told that once the bride and groom are betrothed, the groom goes away to prepare a place for the bride. And when he is finished, he returns for his bride. We are the bride of Christ.
it is not for us to prepare the world for his return. He is going to return one day soon for us. He has prepared a place for you in his Father's heart, and he has promised to come back and take you there to be with him. Come to the Lord as that little child you once were, filled with love, armed with faith and trust, knowing that your heavenly Father will take care of you. Maranatha is the word. Even so, hurry, Lord Jesus. Well, now we've come to the time in our service when we celebrate our Lord's Supper. We're again blessed to have Elsa providing the music. 